This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're back into it. And, uh, you know, having listened to Jerry Diaz and his complaints about how General Motors or uh, the folks in headquarters in Detroit treated him earlier today, uh, he's not too impressed. He's loaded for bear. And so we'll get around to opening the lines shortly on some of the questions that were raised, respectively, with uh, the vice president of the GM and Mr. Diaz in response, uh, whether there's even a snowball's chance in Hades of saving that operation. I want to talk, though, about another Michigan man who came into this country and apparently was toting over the course of every weekend in 2017 a total of 67 firearms and he pleaded guilty to trafficking four weapons, including three handguns he had hidden in his underwear, trying to cross from Port Huron into Canada October 12, 2017. He was before a judge yesterday here in Ontario. Uh, I guess he and, uh, or his defense attorney and the prosecutor, uh, agreed to an eight-year sentence. But the guy used his Nexus card, so he operated with relative impunity. Uh, He's... A war vet, having served campaigns in Kuwait, 35 years of age, Randy Jackson. He's got a couple of kids in London, Ontario with a woman, uh, but he resided in Michigan, but he came back and forth, and therein lies the uh, tale of how the guy was able to, I guess, work it with relative impunity. Let's find out, because, you know, he said he felt remorse and uh, guilt every time there was a shooting in Toronto that uh, somehow maybe part and parcel of uh, what he had brought into this country might have been implicated in that. It's a crazy story, and uh, it really has me befuddled as to how this guy could do this. 67 firearms over the course of every weekend in 2017. David Perry is on the line, the CEO of Investigative Solutions Network and Global News Radio's Crime and Security Analyst. David, good to have you back on the show. Hi there. Good to join you. What do you make of this story? I mean, the guy's got a Nexus card because I guess he was seen as an exemplary citizen, having served a couple of tours with the American Armed Forces so on and so forth, uh, people vouch for him. Getting a Nexus card, how how difficult or easy is that? It's fairly easy to get a Nexus card. I have one, in fact, and uh, it's just a matter you can apply online. And once you've made your application, both sides of the border, Canadian and U.S., do some basic background checks on you, and there's a time set up for you to come in for an interview. And I remember my interview was so brief, it took literally minutes to walk in and sit with somebody from the Canadian Border Services Agency and somebody from the other side of the border, and they asked a, a series, a very short series of questions, and, and I was uh, given access almost immediately to Nexus. So I, like so many people, travel back and forth without the usual regulations and security screening. All right, so he's pre-approved. He gets to come across at these designated border crossings without going through the regular questioning and all the rest of that. So effectively, there is no screening. Well, there is. I mean, there's random screening even when you have Nexus. Um, Nexus is not a guarantee. It certainly reduces your time for travel and reduces the uh, the risk of you being secondary or anything like that. But uh, in reality, you can be pulled out of the line anytime, even when you do have a Nexus card for a secondary screening process. And that's probably what happened to this guy. And or he was acting nervously and drew the suspicion or the the, the leer of the of the border guards, and they, they did a further check and found that he was in possession of firearms. Yeah. Well, three handguns stashed in his underwear. Uh, maybe there was a, a giveaway of sorts walking <laughs> awkwardly. Could be a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> you know, uh, and, okay, all joking aside, though, I mean, in these cases of people bringing guns in from America, we're told that this is primarily how they come into this country. Uh, yes. 
I mean, do you think that this is maybe somewhat typical, uh, you know, gun runners smuggling the guns in? Well, I think it's something that's going to um, have us all have a look at the, at how the guns are flowing. But my my guess is that this is a, a bit of a one-off, that um, there's there's not a, a large number of firearms that are being trafficked through the borders by, by people legitimately traveling with a Nexus card. Um, we've heard a lot in the news lately about seizures where they're found in gas tanks and other hiding areas within vehicles and things like that. And we'll probably see that that's going to be the, the, the way that the majority of the guns are trafficked across the border. But what's what's interesting is, I mean, this is a very unique story, and it's a very interesting story. Um, but that's the reality of our borders. Um, the, the border services on both sides do what they can to stop any kind of contraband going back and forth. But, you know, we've we've got uh, commerce that we have to run, and, and there's only so much they can do without literally shutting down the borders and, and causing chaos by searching every vehicle, every person coming back and forth. So, you know, this is just one story of many stories of how firearms are trafficked across the border, and I agree with you. The, the majority that we find on the streets in the GTA do come from the USA. Well, and this one was flagged because uh, the Toronto police seized a loaded Glock 19 9mm handgun and traced it back to him. I guess he bought it at some uh, gun fair in Michigan. Yeah, so he actually used his legitimate name to buy it. <laughs> okay, uh, and maybe which is why he flew under the radar for so long. However, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, obviously gun running is one of the banes of uh, urban life here in Toronto, as we've seen with the uh, spate of shootings last year, over 450 alone, 51 homicides out of the total approximating just under 196 in total were handgun related. How does it work, though, on the black market or whatever? Uh, somebody brings a gun in. How do they unload it? How do you? How could one sell that? Are you selling it on Kijiji? There's uh, everything from an online black market to people who know people and uh, and just going hand to hand and selling guns. Um, I, I know some people that are legitimate gun owners and um, you know they're they're target shooters and things like that. And and they will report that they get approached from time to time when they walk out of a gun store saying, you know, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you can get me that a gun. So people are pretty brazen and bold about it. Uh, they'll, they'll just walk around with pockets full of cash and if they can get somebody to buy a legitimate gun, they will. But I'd still say that's, uh, that's sort of on the lower end of the scale. Most of it is guns that we, uh, we hear are either trafficked or stolen and brought up through the U S border and it just goes on the open market. They get into these neighborhoods. These people know where to go. It's just like drug dealing. They know where to go. They know who, where their client base is at and who, who's looking for a gun. And, and there's no, there seems to be no shortage of a market out there for people that want to buy a firearm illegally for illegal purposes. Well, what would a Glock 19 millimeter handgun uh, fetch on the streets? You know, you can get a gun like that. Let's, let's just call it roughly 800 to to $1,000. Uh, I do know prices on, on handguns. And you could probably get double or triple that on the streets. All right. Uh, you know, so the idea of a handgun ban is a non-starter. I agree 100%. It's a non-starter. These are not, uh, you know, the people who legitimately own and register their firearms here in Canada are not the people that we have to be concerned about. And that's provided that they're following all of the laws, including proper storage of their firearms and their ammunition to make sure that if there is a break into their house that it's, as difficult, if not impossible, to, uh, to for somebody to steal the firearm from from their home, but uh, 
if we if we ban handguns and and I'm not saying that I'm real strong for or against, but if we ban handguns from legitimate uh, gun owners here in Canada or in Toronto, it's not gonna it's not gonna have a one percent difference in what we're seeing on the streets of Toronto. This is all illegal firearms. It's all people that if they can't get them from legitimate gun owners through theft or coercion or some other method. They're going to find it another way, and it's going to come through the, the lucrative U.S. market. Anybody can get a gun down there. Therefore, anybody can make an order and traffic as many as they wish to get across the border, and border guards will get what they can get in terms of seizures. But there's always a percentage, and it's a fairly high one, that will leak through the borders and continue to flow into Toronto. Yeah, and you're assuming these uh, people who are coming in at uh, designated border crossings, what about native reserves? They straddle the border. Absolutely. Uh, some, some of the, those are some of the easiest locations to, to bring any kind of contraband into Canada. And uh, I'm sure that they're being used as well. And, um, you know, our borders are, are fairly tight between us and the U.S., but you can only stop so much contraband. And firearms are going to continue to flow in here in big numbers. This number is frightening. It's 67 guns. That's 67 I'm just going to say probably criminal type or gang members that possess those firearms. Um, I don't know anybody. I mean, I don't know a single person that would want to buy a, a firearm that would, would not be properly registered and legitimate and stored properly in their home uh, other than somebody who's into criminal activity. The other thing is, you know, with the guns, are they bartered sometimes? In other words, uh, you trade weed or uh, heroin or who knows, meth. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, that's the way the world works out there. Somebody could barter, you know, a, a number of handguns for a shipment of cocaine or some other drug and... Uh, Absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's a live barter system going on in the criminal world. And unfortunately, uh, we're, uh, we're just seeing the tip of it right now. But uh, I'm kind of worried about what this is going to look like in another uh, 12 to 24 months. Why do you uh, cite that timeline? Well, it's just been such a rapid increase in firearms and firearms shootings and murders and so on in the past. Uh, well, I mean, we all know about the statistics for 2018. And I think that it's going to continue to, to slide upwards through 2019. I think we're only just beginning. And uh, due to a lot of changes in legislation and powers being taken away from police officers, making it more difficult for them to enforce and, and to do their jobs, I think that the gangs are going to continue to, to wrestle the streets, control of the streets, and that's all run by firearms and, and drugs and, uh, and money. So... I think that uh, until we do something to address this this issue, that to properly put the resources into the hands of the police to combat this, I think we're going to see it continue to, to head in the wrong direction. So my guess is you're not surprised by the brazen nature of some recent shootings, including on Sunday in the beach at 2.30 in the afternoon on Queen Street, just east of Woodbine. I wish I could say that I was surprised, but uh, I'm at the point where nothing surprises me anymore. And and that's not that's not been my my view of things in Toronto, a city that I happen to love and served in for 28 years. Um, my view over the last couple of years has changed. I don't think our city is near as safe as it was at one time. I think you know citizens are are feeling it and uh, they're voicing it. And uh, people are are nervous when they're going to public venues and always wondering when the next uh, gang shooting is going to happen right in front of them and what they're going to do to stay safe. So our our city has changed, and I think it's changed forever. Unfortunately, it's just my opinion. I think that it's going to have to get a lot worse before the decision makers start to do something uh, 
to head it back in the other direction. So I think we're a long ways from that as well. Yeah, but legal pot, that was going to curb the violence and the gang activity and all the rest. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> you know, we're seeing armed robberies and dispensaries and, uh, you know, robberies of, of legal uh, pot growers and so on. And that, And again, I'm not making a statement on whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that you know, the, the criminal element is the criminal element. They're always going to try and get their piece of every market that's out there, whether it's guns, drugs, or otherwise. And, uh, you know, the the only way we're going to change this is to, to have some legislation that allows police to go in and effectively do their job and, and make sure that they're um, they're able to investigate and, uh, and remove gang members from our streets. Sure. And the courts get serious about it. Uh, I appreciate it, David. Great insights. Uh, and as to how 67 guns got smuggled in by one individual with a Nexus card, uh, a fascinating tale to tell, uh, a cautionary tale, no less. Thanks so much for your time, as always. My pleasure. Anytime. You got it. David Perry, CEO of Investigative Solutions Network and Global News Radio's Crime and Security Analyst. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.